let's start the show. It's Wilson. It's Dear Tony. It's Dear Tony? I really need to start writing down what I want to talk about because then I fucking forget. Oh, Lord Almighty. I mean, the, the big news yesterday was the, the Vince McMahon stuff. The Vince McMahon stuff. The lawsuit. The, the stuff. You know, the rapes, alleged. Uh, rough stuff. <laughs> Not only is it, it's rough too, it's stuff and it's rough. It's not buff. <sighs> Originally, I think I just wanted to talk about the big AEW drama. The rankings are back. <laughs> the rankings are back. I don't really have much to say about the Vince McMahon stuff other than it's disgusting. Uh, and, uh, I mean, is there anybody with a hot take? I guess I checked on Jobber Nation, that guy on Twitter, and he's uh, not tweeting about it, but he's definitely liking tweets where people are raising an eyebrow towards it. Fun stuff for him to do. Boy, can I say stuff one more time? Uh, I mean, uh, I think... I hope what comes of this, you know, it always seems like the guy skates by. I hope what comes of this is that a lot of people get taken to task. The It alleges that a lot of people knew about it. And uh, if you want to get rid of that kind of culture, you're going to have to start uh, getting rid of people. If you want to get rid of, the, rid of the culture that was instituted by that family. Maybe start with the family members. Maybe this isn't the McMahon family. I mean, it's not really a McMahon family company anymore, but let's get that brother-in-law. What did Paul know? Okay, this was my main thought. My big bugaboo whenever this stuff is, is, has happened is they have those dumb press conferences, and no, they're so boring. Nobody asks anything interesting. Was it the last time? Paul Levesque was like, oh, uh, I thought somebody was going to ask about CM Punk. I, was, I had answers ready, but nobody did. Huh, weird. And uh, hold on, I'm going to pause this real. Okay. Oh. Lordy. Uh, yeah, the press conferences. It's just so sad. The wrestling media is just sad. You know, I mean, everybody's talked about it. It's been said. You know, you get a lot of uh, people going, well, look, they won't say anything, so why ask? Come on now. Come on. It's just, it's so funny that these guys are such cowards for essentially. Do they even make do they make the money back that it costs them to fly out to the event, stay in a hotel, eating at like do they make back 
like is it i just can't imagine i guess i'm just not the person because i can't imagine sitting in a doing all that just to sit in a room and be like look i've got a lanyard look i'm i'm i got to ask i don't know la night something's trivial well uh, i'd be questioning my, my life decisions i question my life decisions doing this less than if I was waddling to this room to, I don't even know what, ask Bianca Belair if she thinks she's going to main event WrestleMania, or should women be main eventing more? I don't, like, <laughs> that, that's probably a, a question that's maybe too serious, just talking about women's wrestling and main eventing. That might be too much. Lord Almighty. Uh, somebody needs to, somebody's got to ask, right? Somebody has to at least just ask. Can someone just ask Paul when he, if he's, when and if he ever became aware of Vince's uh, alleged misdeeds? You know, in the lawsuit, she alleges that she's like in the room at these meetings. She knows she's not supposed to be in because of her position in the company. Paul's in those meetings. You know what I mean? And she said in the lawsuit, she says, these people knew that I was not supposed to be there, but that who I was. <sighs> the rankings are back. The people that. I saw the amount the amount of hand wringing that I've seen about the rankings being back. Can, how do we get the word out to these people that the rankings, the pro wrestling rankings in AEW, are fake? They're not real. These people all tied up in knots. Why is this guy? Why is he? Brian Alvarez went on this huge rant. He's confused. He doesn't get it. He doesn't like it. It's fake. It doesn't really even matter. His response was, then why do it? I don't know, but I don't know why. Well, do, do, don't. My thing is with the rankings, it at least always kind of structured things so that you can't get lazy. You can't. Uh, also, I think it's kind of a trick to make people think that AEW is going back to his old ways. I think it's they're trying to trick us. <laughs> but it it should, in theory, make it so that you have to think about placement and who is being pushed and who's and then like kind of keeping it somewhat logical in theory. Uh you know, Brian Alvarez had a big bugaboo that well, a lot of people would just go on dark and just win a bunch of matches, and that's how they would be like, look, he won a bunch of matches. You know, if they need, somebody was getting hot and needed to make make it make sense, well, now they don't have dark, so I don't know. Not an issue. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm thinking it. This is a Dear Tony, so of course I'm thinking about CM Punk. CM Punk going back to the WWE and this Vince stuff hits. CM Punk, come on. Go to the Royal Rumble tomorrow 
and wear like a Believe Women t-shirt. Come on, you know? Remember when we've talked in prior episodes about his performative t-shirt wearing in AEW? Let's go, buddy. Throw on a Believe Women t-shirt. Stand up. Man of intent. I saw that thing, that YouTube video that they put out of, uh, you know, CM Punk going back to Royal Rumble. I mean, they're doing all the hits. Him, you know, joking around with The Miz. and It's just this guy. He's still, like, on there being... He's still a guy that's like, you know, this is a business. He talks about the business like it's 1970. Not even 1980. 1970. This is a business where guy, you know, big scary guys that handle things with their fists. Has CM Punk ever been in a fight that he won? Didn't uh Teddy Hart kick the shit out of him? Am I remembering that right? Larry, am I remembering that correctly? Has CM Punk actually ever won a legitimate fight? Not a fake fight. You know what? He's definitely lost. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I was going to say the the, uh, the court of public opinion, but I couldn't even think. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm tired. I'm, I'm dumb. I'm a dumb guy. And uh, does anybody care about the Royal Rumble at this point? Honestly. I don't, it just seems, the whole mania thing now seems sloppy. Rock, Roman, Cody, Punk, Seth, it's all just kind of sloppy. And none of it, like, can end well. Somebody's going to end up being, I guess I'm kind of interested in that. Someone's going to end up being pissed, right? So I'm looking forward to that. The Vince stuff is like diabolical. Do you remember when people, when he first retired, quote unquote retired, and people were tripping over themselves to be like, what a legend. Do you remember that Pat McAfee interview? Boy, that attitude error, that was wild stuff. That was wild. I mean, that was crazy TV. It was just like, yeah, yeah, crazy time. Pat McAfee, how many people does like, Aaron Rodgers, Brock Lesnar, Vince McMahon, is there anybody, can he find a person to have on the show that he doesn't uh, suck off that is just a normal uh, law-abiding citizen? <laughs> can, can he? He's one of those guys that irks me. Pat McAfee. You know, he's one of those guys that, you know, he wants to tweet about, like, uh, just like his life and it's wholesome and it's, you know, he's here to have fun. And it's just like, 
why do you keep interviewing these people that are like, it'd be me. I'm a dumb guy. And like, I keep, I'm just platforming cruel people and then going, Hey, I don't know. What do you expect? It's like, I don't know. The That's when people go, what do you expect? It's the Pat McAfee show. Well, they're saying what they expect. They expect you not to have rapists on alleged rapists. (laughs) Or I guess Brock Lesnar's not a rapist. He's not a rapist. He allegedly UFC's heavyweight champ, former UFC heavyweight champion, W superstar in the lawsuit, allegedly just wanted PP videos. But then when people go, hey, uh, what do you expect from so-and-so? Well, you're responding to what the expectation is. Then like when people go, what do you want from Raw, the show? It's the show Raw. Raw. Uh, what do you expect? It's the WWE. I expect it to be good, I guess. I expect it to be some semblance of quality television. I don't know. That's my expectation. Why does when something is, what is that? When people fall on that of like, well, it's a stupid thing. This is, it's why the media people say, well, why are we asking these questions? Wrestling is not something worth a- asking about. It's like, okay, so where's the bar? Why do we have to, why, why, why is the bar so low for things? Didn't the circus, Barnum and Bailey, didn't they have to shut down because people were like, this is what you're doing to animals is bad. Did anyone stand up and go, well, why do we even care? It's the circus. What do we care? It's the animals in the circus. Why do we care? You know, the uh, on the workers club the other day, Larry was asking, you know, if I had the base job of my life and somebody called me Lawrence, what I care. I am also tired of reading. This is, I thought that would make sense, but now as I'm going to say it, really, there is no through point to what I'm about to say. I'm just tired of reading the reports of Vince McMahon news comes out. The roster, members of the roster are greatly disturbed and the members are not, they are not happy about this. Remember when Mick Foley walked out after the, just the screw job? Honestly. If you are an employee, these people that call like Vince like their dad, disturbing. It's always been weird. It's never not been weird to me, particularly when we get to the guys that are his age, like The Undertaker. That documentary with the last ride thing, is that with the last ride, the last ride was called the last ride, where he's looking for Vince validation. It's just distur- It's just sad. It's sad. What empty thing in their souls where they look at a, like, so many angles in the WWE involved Vince forcing himself on people. It's like turning into this creepy true crime thing of where you look back at footage and of some, of some horrible case or person and it's like, wow, they are telling us. They were telling us. They were they were flaunting it in our face. It, it, it it's like all these backstage vignettes of Vince being like lecherous and ha haing about it, and 
I was talking today, uh, you know, with, with a buddy of mine. It's like, remember when Steph had that, uh, this is, this is, uh, dear Tony, where I just keep saying, remember <laughs> when Steph had, would, would uh, they always played it and like, you know, her reminiscing, it'd be, uh, <laughs> the craziest thing my dad ever asked <laughs> an incest angle. Now I'm thinking, okay, this guy's clearly a deviant, allegedly. <laughs> Why did he want to do that? Did he really just want to kiss his daughter? And like like kiss kiss his daughter? Like what what's going through this man's mind? And then you have people to this day. John Cena can't stop doing full-throated support of Vince McMahon. You know, like I don't know about any of that. All I know is what I know. And it's like, when does that like when, when do you just go look? Okay, I get it. Uh, you know what? I've lost a friendship today. I'm not a fan. I, st I stand with the, the the victims. I don't like this guy anymore. I think he's a, a dirtbag. You know. Or even Brian. Look, I'm not. I'm not going to leave Brian Danielson off the hook. His stuff. Brian Danielson's stuff with like. He's a complex guy, and my relationship is interesting, and, you know, I learned a lot, and it's just like, the guy's a pervert, okay? The guy's a grade-A pervert. Pervert's like the lightest thing you can call Vince right now. Uh... Oh my gosh. Well, good for Steve Austin being on the right side of history, battling that alleged rapist. Good for him. What's Edge going to be ranked? Adam Copeland. Is he going to be ranked in the top five? Oh, yeah. This is going to be a mishmash, dear Tony. I really just wanted to talk about the rankings, and I think I was going to talk about something else, but I've, I've forgotten now. But definitely one thing I was going to do, and this is going to turn into just a show purely for one person. We probably should have done this on the Workers Club podcast, where it's actually about writing and books. But I'm going to do it right here. Larry, my co-host on the Workers Club, shared with me some writing from back in the day that he was writing that he, he, he wrote. And I'm going to read it. And I don't know if I'll critique it. I'm going to try my best. I'm just going to read it straight through and then have my thoughts. M me being me, I that will be difficult to do because I'm somebody that like every word I read, I stop and I want to like, I'm like constantly analyzing and constantly turning things over in my head and raising an eyebrow. And I find so many, so much stuff just, I'm not, I don't think I'm a cynical person, but I definitely find stuff silly. I roll my eyes a lot at people 
uh not in life i would say but like there's i don't know i'm I'm definitely a guy that's all you can do is really kind of like will chuckle and laugh and just go jesus christ uh I'm I'm scrolling through. Uh, who did I see that was calling Twitter? Oh, I know. I remember who I saw. <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing uh, worse. I'm not a bigger freak right now on than if you call Twitter X. And I did. I recently saw somebody that said, "You know, this is from X." Oh, oh God. Um. Um, Dave's arguing with people about are the uh, are the cons like rich? That's what he's arguing about. Why does he bother? Why does he bother? Why does Dave bother arguing with these people? If you're, I can't imagine arguing with somebody. He spends his day doing this. People go get they they log on to Twitter. These these dopes, these nincompoops, and they tweet at Dave things like the cons. You know, AEW is bankrupting the cons, and then Dave takes goes out of his way to go. No, the cons are worth eight point two five billion dollars. Why does it? This guy doesn't care. He's already starting with like just something he invented in his mind. I get <laughs> what? what you're never going to disabuse people of these notions that they've invented. They've invented the, the thing. If they think that young bucks are the dirt worst and are for like telling them that the bucks, had, you know, have d- done this, this and this in the industry and signed to this contract. And, you know, this amount of murder, you can tell them, but it won't matter. It will not matter. Because they're not arguing about are they successful or not. I mean, I guess they are. I mean, he does. He tries to argue when people are like, I think wrestler A sucks. Dave's like, well, he drew this house. It's like, okay. <laughs> they're, they're, they don't care. Uh, I'm thinking about CM Punk again this fucking guy going back to the rumble where it all began lordy um I'm asking in the Discord why. Um, whenever they show now CM Punk, like in videos and WWE, like backstage, he's always got the one. The one gal is always around him now. Uh, she did the I don't know her name. She did the angle with Dexter Loomis that uh, Alvarez and Dave loved. If I remember right, you know Dexter. Remember Dexter Loomis? Is he going to be at the Rumble? 
<sighs> Anyways. That's it. Okay, can I just say with the steampunk stuff? I've said it before on this podcast about the guys that are like at the mountaintop being like, uh, you know, really letting you know their their beliefs and where they like they're typically like okay see him like it, when it was coming out from his camp like come punk's camp said he was buying all the women in the locker room starbucks gift cards and this and that and it's just am i the only one concerned which like what's punk's fixation just i'm just we're thinking about seeing punk thinking about the way he's talking that like i'm not saying people can't grow i don't know what i'm saying what am i saying i'm saying at the end of the day i'm saying seeing punk has no uh, integrity <laughs> that's what i'm saying Oh my god. We need to do another booking the territory with Gus. Is Punk still on our roster? He has to be. He still has to be on the roster, I think. Okay, let's do it. Let's do the Larry stories. Okay. First one he wrote for an it looks like he wrote for some uh, English class and uh it was in twenty sixteen. Okay. I'm assuming this is college. Okay, I'm going to write, this one's called Fingerprints, and I think it's like a scene. It's only four pages long, and so I don't have to keep, there's two characters, Old Joe and Artie, and so I'm going to, sorry, but I'm going to do two distinct voices just so that I don't have to keep saying Old Joe, and then the line, and then Artie. I'm just going to, so then you can just know who's talking because then I'll just I'll move quicker, I think. So let me see. Old Joe, I'll do old Joe. I'll, I'll just say, I talk like this. And then Artie will just be me. Okay. Fingerprints. Scene. In a quaint suburban town, two neighbors stand in the driveway that connect their two, oh, by Larry. Let's be clear. These are by Larry. Okay. Stand in the driveway that connect their two properties. Watching a scene unfold before them. The first, Artie Wallace, is a man of his mid-40s. The other is old Joe Foster, who is about 15 years Artie's senior. I'm not going to... Look, I already said I'm going to try not to stop. Old Joe... He's old. He's only 55. Maybe 60? I don't know. Mid-40s. I guess I thought 40. Say he's 45, so he's 60. We don't know. 60 is that old? To be old, Joe Sure. I, I'm going to stop. I'm going to keep going. Okay, I'm, I'm going to wait till the end. They stand next to... I'm told I'm not going to nitpick and just be goofy. I'm going to try and read this properly. They stand next to each other, leaning... By the way, I've shared some of my writing with Larry, and you could probably see why. I don't, I don't think I've ever written anything terribly serious in my life. Everything is always... 
ends up being quite silly. Uh, so it's old Joe. They stand next to each other, leaning against old Joe's 78 AMC pacer. Well, they must be friends if they're both leaning against. Okay, I told myself. Just keep reading. The scene they are observing is taking place across the street. Several police officers are taping off a crime scene while two ambulances are parked in the driveway. Old Joe. <clears throat> Ain't never seen nothing like that before. Artie. Just, I'm just establishing. Nope, I should say not. This small town just ain't fit to deal with something like this here. Who could have done this, Art? I mean, what kind of person could be capable of such an evil, dastardly thing? I suppose a man is capable of just about anything these days, the way things are headed. I could have done it. You could have done it. I could have done this? I reckon you could have. Artie, I could have done this. I mean, maybe I did do this. Who's to say I didn't? I didn't so... Oh, maybe that's a typo. I didn't do it. Who's to say? Uh, Christ, Arthur. What if I did do this? The good Lord knows I'm capable of taking a man's life should I be provoked into doing so. If anybody thinks I'm trying to do like a Sean Oliver thing right now, this could be... Uh, who's the guy? Jimmy Durante. I, I'm trying to do, am I doing it? I don't think I'm doing a good Jimmy Durante. This could be anybody. Just do not apply race to this. I feel like Larry is like, why is he making this guy a race? I'm not. I'm just trying to do what old Joe, this is what an old Joe sounds like to me. <laughs> well, maybe you did, Joe. Maybe you did. I don't know. I was in the house cooking up supper. I reckon round about the time this here incident must have occurred. How should I think you didn't do this? Oh, Lord, Art, what if I did this? I mean, I can't go to prison. I got a wife, kids, grandkids to care of. I'm a family man. Lord knows that if I did do this, I did it out of self-defense and self-defense alone. A man don't take another life. I guess I'm doing like a George Kennedy from like Cool Hand Luke. A man don't take another life lest he's forced to, should his life or his family's life be put in harm's way by whomever he was forced to take out. The men stare ahead in mutual silence, continuing to watch the scene unfold across the street. A body, presumably dead and covered by a sheet, is wheeled out of the front door and into the back of one of the ambulance. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. <laughs> presumably dead. <laughs> yeah, sorry. This is not to do with later. I just... I really pictured that. So we'd be like, you know, the these two guys are presuming that either the guy like sits up and they're like, oh, why did they cover him with their sheet? He's alive. Uh, old Joe feeling increasingly paranoid. Ot? Artie? Well, Artie pauses to take out a tin of skull. He takes a pinch and places it in his cheek. I know it, Joe. You've always been a God fearing individual. Anyone who knows you that much and anyone who don't know it, well, hell, you got a whole town of honest folk who are sure to go to bat for you. I'm sure of it. Don't you see, though? That's old Miss Cynthia's house. I was just over there yesterday running errands for her, just like I've done every Wednesday since she's been widowed. My prints have got to be all over that scene. It don't matter if ain't my motive come from the Lord himself. They'll never believe me. They'll never, in a pacifying tone, they'll never believe you. Is that pacifying? He's trying to pacify him. They'll never. Why is he? Okay. Well, 
it's taking me on a roller coaster. No, of course they won't. I'm telling you, Adi, you got to help me here. Dear Lord, would you help me? All I'm asking for you for is help, damn it. I'll help you, Joe. You will? You will. You know what we need to do. I know what we need to do. That's it. Honestly, I am such a dumb guy. God, I keep stopping. I'm such a dumb guy. I just remember that this is called fingerprints. I was spent the first part honestly confused about, like, why is this guy admitting to a crime? Anyways. That's right. No fingers, no fingerprints. Oh, no fingerprints. God damn it, you're brilliant, Joe. Well, don't just stand there, by God. You're probably just in this entire crime scene just as we stand here talking. I don't think old Joe's... I'm just, I'm just going to beat myself. I don't think old Joe's thinking this out. If they found fingerprints and then... And then they're like, hey, we got to find this guy with fingerprints. And then they go around the neighborhood and they're like interviewing people. And then one guy has freshly cut off fingers. <laughs> I really, they're going to be like, wait a minute. <laughs> this is suspicious. Uh, okay. Uh, well, don't just stand there. By God, the project's in terror crimes. Just about to just time before the law come knocking on my door with an ink pad in hand, ready to apprehend me. You know what will happen then. Yeah, I do. What will happen to you? What, what will happen to you again? Again? What? The chair! The chair, you daft bastard! They'll fry my ass! Once they get my prints, it won't take any jury of my peers five minutes to convict me and throw my ass in the chair for what I've done. Or what I think I might, might have possibly could have maybe done. He's <laughs> all over the Oh, Lord, Joe. You don't really think. I mean, honestly... The chair? Of course not. Once the townsfolk learn of this here murder and my, knows my prince all over, the bloodlust will be unquenchable. <laughs> unquenchable. Incredible. Up to now, still staring straight ahead, the two simultaneously turn their heads <laughs> inward to look at each other. Old Joe. <laughs> Old Joe gives a nod. It gives a nod, gives a nod to Artie in the general direction of his garage. Well, you ready to help me? Scene. A week later, old Joe Foster is sitting in his living room. He curses as he attempts to use the remote control to change stations on his television. Bandages cover the stubs of flesh where his fingers once were. A knock comes upon his door. He rises from his recliner to answer, opening the door to reveal his neighbor, Artie. Joseph, how the hell are you? How in the hell are you? Oh, all right, I suppose. Can't get the damn clicker to work. I'd say that's probably on account of the fact that we cut your darn fingers off. <laughs> oh, my God. That's probably safe to say. <laughs> work, work, though, didn't it? It did? Six, seven days and ain't no policeman come knocking on my door. Miss Cynthia dead and buried by now, I'm sure. Oh, sure. Funerals a few days ago still don't make a lick of sense. But I suppose we never know what kind of demons people are facing, do we? Demons? What doesn't make sense, Joe? What in the hell are you talking about? Suicide, Joe. Miss Cynthia, she took her own life, swallowed a bunch of pills, family said. What, you hadn't heard? Ain't heard nothing about that. Hell, after spending two days in the hospital getting stitched up, a few days after the convalescent, guess it's been a few days since I've been out of... There's no way when he went to the hospital and they were like, how did this happen? That this guy is smart enough to come up with a plausible story. 
He's he's a guy's eyes are darting back and forth as he's like, uh, oh, eh, oh. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Guess it's been a few days since I've been out of the house. He pauses for a moment, further considering the news that his neighbor has told him. Suicide. What in the world makes a little old lady feel like taking the easy way out? Like I said, who knows? Maybe she's sick. Didn't want to be in pain no more. Hard to say. Probably never know the answer to that one. Real shame, though. Damn shame. The two men share an awkward silence, both staring at something just beyond the other. Artie then turns his glance to Joe's bandaged hands. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm recording. Why, goddamn Joe? Why? Goddamn Joe. I guess we'd, we done chopped your fingers off for no good reason now, didn't we? I guess we did, huh? Seeing as it was a suicide and all. Damn, ain't that a son of a bitch. Well, I'd love to stand here and chat, Art, but I gotta go get this damn clicker to work so I can try and watch the news. You take care now. Artie, all right now. You do the same. Joe goes to shut the door as Artie walks away. His bandaged club of a hand slides off the doorknob several times before he finally puts his shoulder into the door, closing it. He sits back down his chair and mashes several buttons on the remote control, letting out an audible sigh. <sighs> on top of the TV sits a pill bottle, empty, with the name of his now-deceased neighbor written on the label. Dun, dun, dun. He stole her pills? <laughs> That's my takeaway. It's the wrong one. He stole the empty pill bottle after she ate them all. Um, I'm picturing a police officer knocking on his door. He's looking at his freshly cut fingers. And then behind his shoulder, he sees an empty pill bottle. And this guy's thinking this guy's the worst criminal. That was fingerprints. Um, I'm, I demand a sequel. <laughs> um, now I'm also going to look 78 AMC Pacer. <clears throat> oh, this is Joe's car. Hmm. See, this is how my mind works. I'm thinking, so if Joe is 65 or 60, when did he buy it? If it's 2016, I can't do the math. When did he buy the – how old was he when he bought the 78 Pacer? It's one of the 50 worst cars of all time. Is this why he made it a 78 Pacer, Larry? Is because um, – He's the worst criminal of all time, and he drives one of the worst cars of all time. The homeliest, coolest car ever, the 1978 AMC Pacer. Hmm. Larry's going to message me like, no, I just, I knew somebody that had that car. I'm looking for deep meaning. Okay. The next one was also written for class. It was also written in 2016. It's called Loss and Hamburgers. 
The month was July, and it was still the sort of time when all the school kids still spent their days outside, playing and getting into various degrees of trouble. The sun still sat in the mid-morning position as Eddie Davis was kicking rocks while walking along the creek that cut through the south side of the small town of Midview. His bespectacled... Oh, fucking Christ. Why am I struggling with it? Bestec oh, my God. Bespectacled. This is why the Moby Dick thing is taking forever, because I'm not the greatest uh, orator. orator? His bespectacled face hung at a 45-degree angle while his nose, often described by his classmates as being as crooked as a question mark, took in the warming summer air. I feel like Larry can hear when I'm catching myself. And he's like, yeah, I know. Yeah, you think you know what I'm thinking. Leaving it for the end. He hummed a nondescript melody as he spotted a large toad a few feet in front of him. He let out an ex excited scream and did his level best to sneak up on it. On it. That just <laughs> failed. Eddie failed. <laughs> he screamed. Did his level best to sneak up on it in hopes of catching it. His right eye, half the size of the left, and the superior of the two in terms of vision. What? Eddie looks fucked up. Eyed up, eyed up his prey as he quickly bent down and snatched up the toad. It squirmed in Eddie's overbearing grasp, but soon settled down as it realized its fate. After a few hard pets that may have subdued a weaker amphibian, Eddie lost interest and continued his walk along the banks of the creek, the toad still secured in his hanging left hand. Upon walking a few hundred feet further, the sound of multiple small explosions rang out in Eddie's ear. He reached up with his non-toad holding hand <laughs> uh, to adjust his thick Coke bottle glasses. Into his view came four preteen boys about Eddie's age. He recognized them as being schoolmates of his, two of them classmates and the other two from a grade below his. They variously sat and stood. Larry, there's a lot of variously going on. They variously sat and stood around a small cooler that contained what Eddie would soon observe to be bottles of beer after seeing one of the two older boys open the cooler and fetch a couple for himself and the other older boy. The two younger boys were Jason Caprini and Luke Edwards. Uh, sorry, Larry, I'm flashing back to Sean. <laughs> uh, known by Eddie to be the type of kids his mother had warned him to stay away from. They uh, frequent detentions served after numerous run-ins at school with their teachers and one for beating up a third grader after a game of Red Rover gone wrong. I, uh, I'm such a piece of shit. I said that I was just going to be like, I'll just read it, and da-da-da. And then I'm like, here I am, being a little prick about it. Giving Larry a hard time, busting his chops. Eddie slowed his stroll while he watched Jason and Lou take turns. Like, And I'm not one to talk at all. I think I showed Larry, like, shitty, like, I ended up just pushed, putting everything on, like, a DVR page to be like, just stupid short stories that are just silly. Like anything I write, like one time I wrote a 15 page thing that was like, this is like a practice on a, how to write like a spec script type thing, like how to write a script. And so I just, oh, 15 pages, it's like an adult swim like They'll just do that. And it was about, <laughs> granted, the people I, sh I showed it to laughed, but again, you know, I was a teenager or something that I wrote. It was about, it was two, uh, two men that were married 
and they had they were it wasn't like ha ha there it was not a hee haw they're gay thing it was a one guy was dumb and one guy was like cultured and educated and they were married and that's where it all came from it's just like the yin and yang of them but they, their neighbor in the apartment was a uh a seal <laughs> and he uh, wanted to be a stand-up comedian, and his big bit was that he was often confused with the singer seal, and he was also always concerned about being uh, attacked and killed by an Arctic fox because an Arctic fox is the uh, baby seal's natural predator. This is what I'm talking about. That was my one thing where I was writing. I was like, "This is a this is brilliant." <laughs> We got one dumb religious Southern guy married to a guy that's like cultured and they're having, and it's like a very sitcom TGIF, you know, and then their neighbor is the goofy neighbor is a seal, a talking seal that wants to be a stand-up comedian. And his material kind of just revolves around his fear of Arctic foxes and the singer seal. And then yes, in the end, an Arctic fox comes out of nowhere and, and, and attacks the attacks the seal. Anyways, sorry, just gonna just trying to draw a line there that the stuff that I do like to write and have written in my life are uh, I'll have to you know what I'm gonna you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna read after this I'm going to read I'm not, I'll do it later in the next year Tony I will read something that I wrote that a buddy of mine put in his thing, his book that he put out. Okay, so back to Eddie. Eddie slowed, slowed his stroll, but not his roll. That's not in there. While he watched Jason and Luke take turns pulling M80 firecrackers from a plastic shopping bag and lighting them while attempting to lob them over the overpass directly above the boys' location beside the creek. The older boys were Ross Rossington. You got me. I like that. <laughs> And Brian Peters, the aforementioned classmates of Eddie's. They each sat on a rock, sipping their beer while being slightly bemused at Jason and Luke's antics. Despite Eddie's apprehensive, slowing pace of his walking, he came into the view of the boys, with Ross being the first to spot him. Eddie, come here, buddy, he shouted. Eddie didn't have any specific memories of any of these four being especially nice to him in the past, but nonetheless welcomed their invitation to join them. We'll make sure I'm getting this. So that was Ross that I did. Okay. Who's? Oh, I'm doing Ross again. Who's that? Asked Brian, being too consumed by finishing his Paps Blue Ribbon to look up to see who Ross was shouting at. Uh, it's Eddie, man. He's got something in his hand. Oh, boy. <laughs> I assume this takes place in the 1950s. <laughs> Ain't he a retard or something? Inquired Jason. Yeah, I heard he takes them dumb dumb classes with Miss Milfer out in the trailer behind the school, Luke answered. Eddie finally approached the boys, the toad still squirming in his left hand. He greeted the group, asking, Hey guys, what are you doing? What's it look like, toad? We're blowing shit up, Jason replied. You want to... You want to join us? Looks like you got something we could use there. Jason pointed at Eddie's left hand. Huh? Eddie was confused and looked puzzled, if not somewhat frightened at the suggestion. What do they mean by the word use? 
he is dumb. <laughs> he thought to himself. <laughs> Give him a beer, suggested Ross to Ryan. Let's get them all fucked up. The boys giggled at the suggestion of their slow friend possibly getting drunk. Eddie seemed nonplussed at the idea and continued his somewhat blank gaze at Luke and Jason proceeding to lob lit firecrackers at the walls of the overpass. Jason once again focused on the animal in Eddie's hand, asking him, What you got there, a frog or something? A frog or something. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, okay. Eddie snapped out of his mindless gaze and responded, A toad. I caught a toad. Gonna take him home and ask Dad if I can keep him and name him and keep him in my room. Brian looked slightly at Ross, wondering silently if he was thinking the same thing he was. Ross gave him a look in reply, confirming that he likely had the same idea. Brian continued to Eddie. Uh, let me see him. I can't remember who, how Brian sounds now. I know how Ross sounds. I know how Luke sounds. Eddie sheepishly extended his hand to show Brian the toad. Brian asked him, what you gonna name him? Eddie. I don't know. Maybe Martin or Todd. Todd the Toad. Yeah, I'm going to name him Todd the Toad. Eddie seemed to impress himself with the quick naming of his new friend. Ross laughed al aloud, saying, I don't know, Russell. <laughs> Todd the fucking Toad. That's a hell of a name there, Edward. You got an aquarium to keep him in once you take him home? Eddie hadn't had the foresight to think of where exactly he was going to house the Todd the Toad should his father agree to let him keep him. Eddie said nothing but used his free hand to pet Todd while still holding him in the other. Ross sensed the uncertainty and Eddie's lack of answer. I bet you ain't even got a place to put him. You wouldn't want... I don't know why Ross is becoming Southern. You wouldn't want to bring Todd here all the way home to Daddy just to have to give him up and set him free. Heck, he'd be miles away from the creek there and I bet some big old neighborhood dog would have him for lunch as soon as he let him go. Eddie thought about what Ross was saying, trying to understand that he indeed had little idea of what he'd do with Todd once he got him home. Luke and Jason now realized what the older boys were hinting at and stopped what they were doing in order to watch the interrogation. Ross took out his hand and asked Eddie, Might as well hand him over let us throw him back by the creek so he'll be okay. Sad, but realizing the boys were right in their suggestions, Eddie handed the toad to Ross. Ross beamed at the success of his plan and said, Look at the poor guy. Looks like you almost squeezed him after death with the retard grip of yours. The others laughed at the berating of Eddie, who turned his stare to the ground, having been called that word enough to know that he was being made fun of. Brian put his, down his beer and reached over to Jason Luke. Give me one of them firecrackers, he demanded. He pulled a matchbook from his pocket and prepared to light the M80. The boys giggled in anticipation of what they knew would come next. Eddie was slow to understand when the, what the boys were gleefully in anticipation of. As he heard Brian strike the match against the back of the matchbook, he picked up his hanging head to see what was afoot. Ross wore a shit-eating grin and held Todd away from his body with an outstretched arm. Brian lit the firecracker and stuck the fuse alight in Todd's mouth. The boys looked excitedly on as Ross and tossed the toad skyward. The timing and trajectory of the toss was perfect as little Todd the Toad proceeded to explode in a brilliant burst of fire at the very peak of the arc of Brian's toss. Horrified at the sound alone, Eddie covered his ears and shut his eyes. The boys howled in uncontrollable laughter as Eddie slowly opened his eyes to discover himself covered in blood and burnt shredded skin. What? That's a big-ass frog. His mouth agape in disbelief. Tears began to well behind his eyes. Eddie attempted to scream, but nearly a sound emerged from his open mouth. 
The reaction only served to further amuse the four boys who carried on their on their in their on. This is a tight on in their amusement for another solid minute. In celebration, Luke opened the cooler once more, pulled out the remaining two bottles of beer, and handed one to each of the older two boys for them to enjoy. Ross traded his finished bottle for the unopened one, and in further torment of the still-stunned boy, Luke lobbed the empty bottle at Eddie. Traveling in the same carefree arc that Todd the Toad had just moments earlier, the bottle clanged off the side of Eddie's slightly oversized head. Wait, here we come on. <laughs> Sending the boys into further hysterics. Eddie, still too stunned to avoid the blow, seemed unaffected as he remained staring at the various resting places of his deceased friend. As the boys' laughter gradually died down, they lost interest in antagonizing poor Eddie Davis. Eddie Davis. Eddie himself turned his dagger away from the scene. He retraced the steps he had taken. Hands outstretched in a sort of post-traumatic shock, he licked a mixture of snot and tears that gathered upon his upper lip and removed his glasses in order to clear the blood and toad debris from them via his torn flannel sleeve shaking legs attempted to control his feet over top of the large rocks adorning the creek unsuccessfully at times as he walked with questionable balance like a lost dog he traced the edge of the water without much sense of purpose still attempting to make sense of the prior events his mind couldn't comprehend the errant bottle toss nor the comments made toward him but focused only on the loss still sniffing intermittently intermittently he then saw movement once more near the ground below his soaked sneakers. It was another toad, slightly smaller than Todd, but a prospective companion all the same. Eddie quickly forgot his sorrow and nearly tripped over his own two feet in trying to get closer to the toad. Lowering himself down onto his hands and knees, he at once snapped the toad up by its hind legs. He arose from the muddy banks and a smile slowly spread across his face. He gripped his newest friend tightly, not now knowing the pain of loss and not wanting it to be repeated, he walked with renewed purpose, toad in hand, back towards his house half a mile from a creek. Eddie continued his frenetic pace, and his house was soon within sight. He could see through his thick lenses his mother hanging the family's laundry from the clothesline that hung from the front of his house. His pace quickened in anticipation of showing his new friend to his mother. He reached his yard and poked his head from behind a hanging sheet at his mother, his face facing his face... Uh, his face wearing a gleeful smile. Hey, Baba, I was down at the creek and I found a pet toad. You think I could keep him? His mother responded with an apprehensive look as Eddie's right hand rose to meet her view. He extended his arm at a right angle from his body and proudly displayed what was in, what was in his suffocating grasp. Eddie, that is disgusting. Go on and get rid of that poor old thing. Go around back and throw that toad in the rubbish. I don't know why she's British. That's me, not Larry. You know better than to be playing with dead animals you find in the road. But Baba, Eddie couldn't believe what his mother was saying until he happened to catch a glimpse of the dead toad he'd been holding out in front of him. Go on now, get rid of that filthy thing and get yourself cleaned up for lunch. What in the world have you got all over your clothes anyhow? Eddie couldn't think to explain to his mother the reason for his blood and dirt stained clothes as he tried to make sense of the dead animal that lay in his hands. He walked away without offering a response towards the back of the house. He lifted the lid off the rusty metal garbage can and unceremoniously dropped the toad into a mix of grass clippings and coffee grounds. So somebody's mowed the grass and had coffee. Mm, interesting. <laughs> he stared down at him for a moment until the smell of lunch came from upwind of himself. Hamburgers, his favorite. Larry, what are you doing to me? 
He realized he'd been he realized had been cooking on the stove. He placed the lid back upon up, upon on the garbage can and raced inside to clean himself up for lunch. The end? <laughs> that was the end. I can't remember what Larry uh, said, what feedback he got on this one. Larry. Exploring the trivial uh, life, death, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, anger, uh, the mean in the killing uh, out of, uh, you know, derisive laughter and, 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 and cruelty. And then, and then Eddie, uh, the simple Eddie, you know, loves killing the frog with love, you know, gripping it too hard with his, I won't even get my way. With his strength, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, where's the dad? <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, uh, I've read worse. That's not a compliment. Uh, I don't know what to say. It's good. It's. I mean, I can tell it was written in 2016. I can tell that Trump is in office. <laughs> This was Larry's response to Trump being elected just a few days prior. <clears throat> um, it's only right that I, I read my uh, probably it's not even a serious thing that I wrote. It's like sci it's it's sci-fi. I wrote some sci-fi stuff for him because I didn't know what I I'll go into it when I read it. I'm reading in the Discord. People are talking about Cora Jade and CM Punk, and somebody on Reddit says that's even a good rub on Cora JC and Roxanne to make them known to a wider audience, especially with the rubble coming up. Uh, anything else? Should we check in on somebody? Let's check in on Dave on Twitter. Should we look at the Royal Rumble card? And I'll just go down it real quick. The Royal Rumble card. And I'll make some predictions real quick here. This is how we'll end it. Larry, I love you. And I apologize if you found my reading of your work rude. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed it. I'm being... See, I've talked. Have I talked about this? How people never think I'm being sincere. Because of my face... <laughs> The way I look, when I talk, this the tone of my voice. I get it all the time. I'll be on fo a phone with a friend, and they'll say like, "No, you know, yeah, I liked it," or "Yeah, no, it's good." And they'll be like, and they'll go, "Bullshit, not true. You're lying. You're joking around. You're giving me a hard time." Uh, men's rumble. Uh, let's say, uh, 
think Cody wins it. Uh, did he win last year's? Did Cody Rhodes win, win last year's Rumble? So he might not win it. I bet he doesn't win it because it's going to be the whole, like, finish the story thing. He's going to be eliminated by Punk or something like that. Uh, and he's going to look all, like, uh, dejected. Like, how am I going to finish my story? Um, that would be somewhat interesting to me if, like, say, Punk, well, no, Punk wouldn't give up his spot. Well, you could tell a story that whoever wins it goes, if you beat me at the next at Elimination Chamber, then, you know, you get a shot. I don't know. It's, it's too much. That's too much. Just, anyways, uh, sure, I'll pick Punk. Um, um, the Women's Rumble. Don't even really know who's in it. Confirmed entrance, Bailey, Bianca Blair, Becky Lynch. Probably Becky Lynch, right? Has she won it before? I don't know. I can't remember. But probably Becky Lynch and probably she challenges Rhea, right? <clears throat> Roman Reigns versus Randy Orton versus LA Knight versus AJ Styles. Um... I guess AJ Styles is getting pinned here. Roman Reigns wins. Logan Paul versus Kevin Owens. Uh, da, 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 da. Kevin Owens probably wins. Is that it? That's the card? No. There's no tag matches? There's no nothing? Let me look again. There's nothing else. It's just the four-way, a singles, and the two Rumble matches. Uh... Yeah, that's it. That's all that's announced. Interesting. Okay. It's not when I say interesting, I mean stupid. All right. It's been an hour. Sure. Let's call it. Uh, bye.